Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. If Duke can beat Georgia Tech this weekend and the Devils are favored, they stay in the mix in the Coastal Division. Get there if you can. Wallace Wade Stadium. It's a 1230 game on Saturday afternoon. David Cutcliffe is a good friend of the program. He was the National Coach of the Year six years ago as the Devils leader. He's been the SEC Coach of the Year at Ole Miss, the ACC Coach of the Year twice over with the Devils. He will be hosting Georgia Tech on Saturday afternoon, and two of his protégés will be on national TV tonight. Daniel Jones gets the start. Eli Manning is the backup as the New York Giants visit the New England Patriots. College football underway, including the Wolfpack hosting Syracuse tonight in an ACC game. ACC's all over the place. UVA Miami gets the Friday night football window. Coach Cut, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Thank you, David. Yeah, when I looked at this this week and um, – the football lineup and the football schedule, I'm like, good gosh. I mean, those are big games in the ACC, both of them. Uh, both of them division games that are big. And then you got – how does it get any bigger than Daniel Jones? I was just texting with him a little while ago, headed in to play against the Patriots and Tom Brady. So just hope he doesn't try to do more, you know, do less in a game like that. Just be smart, you know. Yeah, with that in mind, and, and we're going to talk about the Blue Devils hosting the Yellow Jackets and your 3-2 and two start, of course. But I wonder, let's get to Eli before we get to Daniel. Yeah. Because New England is the opponent tonight, everybody, of course, is recalling the Giants beating the mighty Patriots empire not once but twice with Eli Manning at the controls. What is it about his wiring, Eli, a young man you've gotten to know so well over the years, or what do you remember about Eli's role in those two victories, which, as you know, are basically at the top of his Hall of Fame candidacy? What comes to mind when you think of those things? Well, I was at both of them, and, um, you know <laughs> – it's it's kind of the what people really don't understand at competing at these highest levels. It's being able to within one game struggle, look defeated, look phenomenal, and finding a way to win the game. Yeah. Uh, David Tyree made an incredible catch. My eyes were on Eli. <laughs> he might have made a better a better than that catch move of avoiding a sack. Wow. Um, you know, he, he's, um, he's always been that, that way. He cannot be flustered. Um, and what gets lost a little bit is how great an athlete Eli is. And I'm telling you now, you on a basketball court, baseball field, football field, uh, Eli is, you know, if you want to play burnout with him, he can catch everything you throw. Yeah. You can't catch what he throws. Just put it that way. You know? <laughs> I've played burnout with people with a baseball. I've played burnout with people with a football. He's going to win, you know. And then we, when, when I was coaching Eli in college, we, every Friday we had a, a we'd take a plastic garbage can. And so we were throwing fades and, you know, I'm in that competition. I can't, and I mean, I took pride in never getting beat, and friggin' Eli would beat me, you know. <laughs> so he can go from burnout to touch. So let's not forget that he's got Hall of Fame talent, folks. I mean, people want to remember what they want to remember, uh, but that's an extremely talented athlete that has had to deal 
with way too many coaches, way too many offenses, way too many bad circumstances in his tenure in New York, and he's made it through all of them. I hope you appreciate this pre-show conversation that we had today that involved you, college guy, and Bill Belichick, NFL guy. I mean, you're a baseball guy, so I'll use this analogy. It's fun to sometimes wonder, even though it'll never happen, you know, how would Justin Verlander have handled Babe Ruth, right? From totally different eras, but it'll never happen. And they were both great in their own ways. Belichick is considered one of the greatest defensive minds of all time, but he spent his whole life basically in the pros. You're one of the great offensive minds in modern college football history. You haven't gone head-to-head, but your guy Daniel Jones has to deal with him tonight in New England. Your guy Eli beat him twice in the Super Bowl setting. Even though you don't go head-to-head, because of your time with the Mannings and Daniel, do you have like an answer to what makes Belichick so special that some call him the greatest of all time? Yeah, yeah I, think he, I think he is. Um, what, what I see is his attention to detail in teaching. So strategy is one thing, you know, schemes are one thing. And he's, you know, he's good. I mean, good gosh, he's really good schematically. But he's better within the scheme. So what what a great teacher does, and this is what I think, and I talk to him some uh, because I'm intrigued by the consistency they display. Um, their, Their teaching method is not just what and how. Uh, it always includes the why, which is really important to me. I think children sometimes get a whipping. So when a parent says it's it's time to go to bed, and they what do they say? Why? Yeah. You know they go oh why? Well, I think it's human nature to want to know why you're having to do something. And great leaders and great teachers do a great job of teaching in that format. And so those patriots know why they're doing everything, particularly on defense. And I think there's a magic to that. And we've tried through the years to do it offensively. Um, You know, this is 44th year of doing this, and you still got so much to learn. And it's interesting you ask about Belichick, because Peyton, when Peyton was playing, right, when those two would come across each other, he said Belichick would just grill him for information. Hmm. And we have a saying we call, you know, give 10, take 90. Everybody wants to tell you what what they know. You just got to ask. And it was interesting to hear Peyton's, because he would share it with me and we'd talk about it and we'd talk about, well, how can you do this or do that? And, uh, yeah, it's a chess match to some degree. But I think, again, it goes back to it's not the scheme. It's what you can get your players to do. And I think both Peyton and I have had this conversation before. Um, that's why we have a drill on offense we call Peyton Manning. Uh, mm-hmm. We could call the same drill Bill Belichick, but we want to know that everybody knows why they're doing everything, that everybody's on the same page. And if I ask a young player, why do we do this on this route, I want to know the answer to that, not what do you do on this play, if that makes sense. It does. David Cutcliffe is joining us on the David Glenn Show. As always, you can follow him on Twitter, at David Cutcliffe. This Saturday afternoon, it is Georgia Tech visiting his 3-2 and two Blue Devils. I don't know if you have even heard this trivia, but there are only nine active head coaches with head-to-head wins over yet another 
all-time great Nick Saban. So nine active, like Les Miles got him a few times. Yep. Our recent guest, Dabo Sweeney, has gotten him uh, in some pretty big games a couple times. Uh, Mac Brown joined us recently, I believe, got him once. You got him once. Um, yep. it, it, is something like that on your resume something that you take pride in? Do you remember the details of something like that? Because well, I, I absolutely okay. David. I remember the details of the game. And we went in, and Eli was playing quarterback. Okay. And, you know, from from a personnel standpoint, we were close. And they got us once, and we got them once. Okay. Uh, the one they beat us was 17 to 14, which still makes me mad, by the way. <laughs> How can we score only 14 points, you know? But the one we got him, I went into the game, and he was such a disguise freak. I told Eli, we're not reacting to anything. Huh. That, that friggin' safety's not going to get there. We're going to go about our business. We are going to ignore it as if it didn't happen. Oh. We're going to maintain our normal reads. And we did that throughout the game with extreme success. And Eli understood it. He knew why Eli was strong in the pocket. And he was so good with his pre-snap reads, we kind of knew who was coming and we could execute that. And that all sounds good, but I think what we did, we taught Nick Saban a lesson that day. And now that safety comes from a different depth, and you can't ignore it. Isn't that an interesting story, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we also faked a punt right at the end of the first half that scored, and he never dreamed in his – I mean, he went max rush, and we took the chance, and we scored. So that one made me smile a lot, believe me. We're almost down to a Final Four in the Major League Baseball playoffs. Do you get to peak – as a guy who threw out the first pitch, how does young David Cutcliffe end up throwing out the first pitch at his childhood favorite program, the New York Yankees, the most famous in the world? I know it had to do with the pinstripe bowl, but yeah, do you get to peek at that? Thank goodness. And, um, but, you know, I'm watching the Yankees closely. Some of my friends at the Yankees sent me fresh new hats cool. and a visor. So that came in a package uh, right as the playoffs started. Uh, I have a fondness for the Braves, too. And, we had a discussion. I'll throw this one at you, and okay. you can carry it from here on your show. So you got a major league pitcher and a bullpen catcher warming him up, and sometimes a starting catcher, and they're down in the bullpen. And in the playoffs, these odd days of rest, you mentioned Verlander and all of these people. Well, when do they know they don't have it before mm. they ever walk out on the mound and give up seven runs mm. in the first inning? Yeah. And what kind of man does it take to say it? You know, I don't have it. Uh, it's not right. We got to somebody else. Got to take the ball. That's an interesting, That's a fascinating question. You know, it, it yeah, is. it is. And in playoff baseball, that happens a lot. I mean, you give up ten runs uh, in the first inning, and now the game's over essentially because people are human. Those guys that are hitting the ball, which is the best thing the Braves do, aren't the same animal when they get up there down ten to nothing. You know, it's crazy. As a baseball pitcher to the Babe Ruth level and beyond myself, and I was our starting left-hander, I know the feeling in the bullpen of not being right that day. And yeah. even at 18 years old in a game nobody is watching, my competitive streak had a hard time admitting that to anybody. So imagine how your competitiveness can overcome that, you know, on the biggest of all stages. That is a great I, question. Yeah, you always I, leave I agree with that, but at the same time, isn't that what you're, why you're called a professional? Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, they're there's supposed to know better. being a pro. Yeah. And so right now, God bless him, Eli Manning's being a pro. 
Well put. Uh, as we wish you well against Georgia Tech, what have you learned through the close loss to Pitt uh, or otherwise as you take on a team that is at the bottom of the ACC standings right now, Georgia Tech? From the outside, Coach, it looks like you're mostly playing really good defense, but uh, your offense sometimes has not lived up to uh, its reputation. No, it's been inconsistent, to say the least. And we got out, you know, that commercial where they say, stay in your lane, bro. Yeah. Uh, we better stay in our lane. What I have learned, Georgia Tech's getting better each week. And people are making big plays against their defense, but nobody's been consistent against them. That's a huge challenge for us. Second thing I learned in that pit game is how much heart our team has. When you have six turnovers and you can score 27 straight points and come back and take a lead, you're dealing with a team that's got heart. And they've gone out on that practice field. And you, you, I'm telling you, anybody would have enjoyed watching those guys practice this week. Um, so I'm very proud of them. My job is to be the best I can be for them because this team's got, got, a, got a mission. they got a plan. Um, you know, there's no guarantees in life other than if you don't work at it, it's guaranteed it's not going to happen. So uh, I, I love this team. I love their spirit. I'm gonna, I, I tell you what, I'm going to coach hard every step of the way. Every time the David Glenn Show calls to the Cutcliffe bullpen, you never let us down. So good luck against the Yellow Jackets, and thanks, as always, for making us think a little bit and sharing your stories with us. Thank you, David. Take care. Always fun. David Cutcliffe, 12th year Duke coach, National Coach of the Year in 2013. On Twitter, at David Cutcliffe, the Devils are better than the Yellow Jackets. And if you get to 4-2 and two and you're 2-1 and one in the ACC, guess what? You're right back in the mix. UVA leads the way. They haven't lost a conference game yet. They were our preseason pick to win the Coastal. To me, they've lived up to that billing. Four and one, only loss was at a top 10 Notre Dame team. Carolina's two and one in conference play. Remember, that Wake game does not count for, for conference standings purposes. So it's Virginia, it's North Carolina. Duke will be two and one in conference play if the Devils beat Georgia Tech as expected. And everybody else is playing catch up in that neighborhood. So it'd be interesting to see if the Heels and the Devils stay in the mix with the Cavs moving forward. Duke against Georgia Tech. Remember, Carolina is off. UVA goes to Miami this weekend. Louisville's at Wake Forest. Scott Satterfield, first-year head coach of the Cardinals, joined us last hour. David Dave Clawson, sixth-year head coach at Wake Forest, joins us in about 15 minutes. His Demon Deacons are off to a 5-0 start. And this is crazy. In my lifetime, there have been only two Wake Forest football teams that finished in the national top 25 of the polls. Finished the season, not spent some time there, but ended. Your body of work is done. They do the final rankings. You were one of the top 25 in America that year. The two examples, how about 1992 under Bill Dooley and Jim Grobe's ACC title team in 2006? That's it. That's it over more than a half century. That's it. Dave Clawson has the Deeks in that mix as we speak. And the only game the rest of the regular season where they will be a significant underdog is, of course, the trip to Death Valley to take on Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers. The Deeks may have their hands full. We'll see with Louisville on Saturday night in Winston-Salem. Coach Sat in the books, Coach Cut in the books, Coach Clawson on the way. And on the other side, you can chime in with your question or comment. It is week six in the NFL. Your Panthers are in London to take on Tampa. The Giants visit New England tonight. That's some uphill sledding for Daniel Jones and New York, I would think. 
Texans, Chiefs, Eagles, Vikings, Saints at Jacksonville, Niners still undefeated at the L.A. Rams, among the others worth watching. The NBA China showdown. As some of you repeatedly asking questions of me and others hoping we don't talk about it at all, it is the preseason. The Lakers and the Nets were allowed to play a game there in China earlier today. They're going to be allowed to play again on Saturday as scheduled, but virtually everything else has been canceled by the Chinese government. No national anthems, no media sessions, no pregame player speeches to the Chinese audience, none of the above. Meanwhile, a lot of Chinese businesses have chosen to cut ties entirely either with the Rockets organization specifically or the NBA more generally or even some NBA players. There's a shoe company that was a couple years into a 10-year deal with Clay Thompson of the Warriors, and they just said, we're out. I mean, I don't know much about Anta, but they're a big enough company that they got Clay Thompson. And remember when Zion Williamson of Duke was considering interviews with like six different shoe companies? Well, we all knew Nike would be on there. You know, and Under Armour and Adidas remain players there. Anto was one of the six knocking on that door. So these are some big deals, billions worth for the NBA as a whole. Again, the preseason games are going on as scheduled, but the surrounding details have been dramatically changed at the demand of the Chinese government. 1-800-849-2761. The Hurricanes have lost Jordan Martinook to injury. He needs surgery on a core muscle. He's expected to be out for six to eight weeks, so no Marty party for the next month plus. Julian Godier has been recalled from the Charlotte Checkers and is expected to play this weekend as the Canes are home host twice. First to the Islanders tomorrow night. I'll see you there. Then to the Columbus Blue Jackets on Saturday night. Carolina, the only team in the NHL that is four up and four down, meaning they have won all four. Eight points, the maximum you can get in the hockey vernacular through these four games. Rod Brindamore has the boys playing some really good hockey. Sometimes imperfect even in victory, but always good to learn your lessons while winning than having to lick your wounds and learn those lessons in defeat. The 4-0 and and red-hot Carolina Hurricanes home twice this weekend. We're sending a lot of you to those games, and we look forward to seeing you there. Last call for phone calls is on the other side. Major League Baseball playoffs, huge college football weekend. Wolfpack hosting Syracuse tonight. Giants at Patriots and other NFL action tonight through the weekend. You can jump in with your question or comment on the international incident that is the NBA versus China, if you like as well. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in to the David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four <laughs> ties, not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Dave Clawson is well-known in these parts and gradually has been developing a reputation as one of the less heralded but overproductive head coaches in all of college football. How do you get into those conversations? Well, one, you win everywhere you go. He did that at Bowling Green at the FBS level in the Mid-American Conference. He did it at the FCS level. He did it at Fordham prior to that. 
He wins everywhere he goes. Now he's doing that at Wake Forest. He's going to join us shortly on the David Glenn Show. In case you haven't been paying attention, as Louisville, our guest earlier, Scott Satterfield, visits Wake Forest, the Demon Deacons 5-0, I mentioned that Coach Clawson has a chance to join that 1992 Bill Dooley team and that 2006 ACC champion Jim Grobe team as just the third in more than 50 years to finish a season ranked in the national top 25. Well, the Deacons are number 17 in the coaches poll, number 19 in the AP poll. Jamie Newman has won eight of his first nine starts. That is the tied for the best start in school history by any quarterback ever to wear the Demon Deacons uniform. They have a challenge this weekend in Louisville. We're bringing the big tailgate tour to Winston-Salem next Saturday. They're not allowed to look ahead. We are. It's FSU at Wake Forest, perhaps with a whole lot on the line at BB&T Field. The offense is top five in the nation right now. Does Coach Clawson believe that his guy, Jamie Newman, should be the first-team All-ACC quarterback, even over Trevor Lawrence of Clemson, Sam Howell of UNC, Bryce Perkins of UVA? Maybe he'll answer that. Maybe he won't. I know he likes to talk about a team that's 5-0, and not just Jamie Newman, but there is as much going right for Wake football right now than any other time other than Jim Grobe. I think it was won 20 games over a two-year period in 2006 and 2007. Wake is one of the smallest universities that has been competing at the Power Five level for decades. It is not easy to win in football when you're that small. It's not easy to win in football when you play and you have such high ex academic expectations and requirements of incoming players, and yet he's getting it done. 5-0 and as Louisville comes to town. Dave Clawson, next on the David Glenn Show. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. We love talking life, sports, football, and the Demon Deacons with our next guest. Listen to this as we say hi to Dave Clawson, the other end of this weekend's matchup. Homecoming for Scott Satterfield, raised in the triangle all those years in Boone as a successful player and coach. It is his Louisville team that's his first at the, with the Cardinals. Visiting Coach Clawson, this is his sixth Demon Deacons edition. Wake is 5-0. They're in the national rankings for the first time since 2008. They're 5-0 for only the fourth time in school history and the first time since 2006. They have tied the school record with seven consecutive wins, which makes the Louisville matchup on Saturday night, ACC Network, potentially a history-making one. Coach Clawson, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. You know we're allowed to list this, these accolades and accomplishments, but it's your job to make sure your players do not allow their minds to wander to such things. How do you get that accomplished? You just uh, hit the mute button. That's it. So. And except I didn't want to hit the mute button because you had naive melody going. So that was <laughs> nice. I could go <laughs> nice on and intro. on about your track record as a head coach. You're signed with the Deeks through 2026. Uh, there are a lot of other good things to talk to, but uh, let's start here. 
you have statistically a top five offense in the entire nation, and your redshirt junior quarterback, Jamie Newman, has won eight of his first nine starts. That ties the best start in school history by any Wake quarterback. What is going right offensively as you see it? And would Jamie Newman be the first-team All-ACC quarterback if we did such things here in mid-October? Well, I mean, Jamie's played extremely well. Uh, he's executed the offense at a high level. Uh, certainly the ability of the quarterback to function is uh, a result of his teammates. And, uh, you know, we graduated three really good players on the O-line last year, and we've had some guys step up for us. Certainly getting Justin Haran back from an injury has been helpful. Um, but, you know, our wide receiver core, I mean, Sage Surratt, Scotty Washington, Stephen Claude, Kendall Hinton, Ja'Cory Roberson, those guys have played really well and done a great job of making contested catches. And uh, and our, our running backs have protected well. So I think uh, Jamie is playing extremely well, and he'd be the first one to tell you that he's been able to play well because of what people have done around him. You're in the business of limiting distractions. I, I do imagine that there are some quote-unquote good distractions when you're off to one of the best starts in Wake Forest football history. What has changed in your world, either requests from media fans or, or just other outside influences uh, to this point at 5-0? and uh, I mean, nothing's really changed, you know, for my – uh, you know, my radio show, there's maybe more questions and, you know, the hour, hour and a half on Thursdays that I dedicate to media, less of it's free. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But my day-to-day -day world and life really isn't different. I mean, um, you know, as a football coach, there's things you got to get done every week and certain things you got to get done Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and you have practice and you work on the red zone and third downs. And, and that doesn't change. And so I think uh, the structure, the process of getting ready for a game hopefully helps keep those things in check. Coach Satterfield joined us earlier in today's show. You know some of those personal storylines. He threw plenty of compliments your way as well. And he mentioned, among other things, Dave Clawson's team's never beat themselves. He used the word camaraderie in, in just how he felt about you as a colleague and as a person. Uh, how do you create a culture where not only are you not beating yourself, to use that football coach's phrase, but out of 120-plus teams, Coach, you have the fewest penalties in all of FBS football. That's a reflection of that culture. Well, I think part of it is just we, we are an older football team. Um, you know, we've got 23 guys in our two deep that this is their fourth or fifth year in the program. Uh, we have officials at every practice. Uh, it's something that we put great emphasis on. Uh, but the credit is to our players that they've got to go out there game day and execute and not have false starts and line up correctly. And I think when you have an older team, they can self-correct a lot of those things as they're happening. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I certainly have great respect for, for Scott Satterfield as well. It's it's mutual. He's, I, I think, one of the good guys in the profession who does things right and um, I've certainly followed him every step of his career going back to 07 at Richmond when we played App in the playoffs when he was the offensive coordinator. And then he was at Toledo and then, um, you know, he was at FIU and has done, did a remarkable job at App. And, and I think one of the biggest compliments to him is how well App is still playing. I always think if you've done a yeah. great job at a program, when you leave it, they continue to have success. And I'm sure he's very proud of the success App is still having.
No doubt. He talked today about watching him on TV last night and seeing him beat the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill earlier this year. The Mountaineers are 5-0. and And even his Louisville team, Coach, uh, what do you see on film or otherwise? I know you said at your press conference earlier this week, this is not like the last two Louisville teams that we had to deal with. He's off to a 3-2 and two start. His only losses were to quality teams like Notre Dame and then at Florida State. They were in that into, well into the second half. What, what's different in your eyes as the opposing coach? Well, I just think they're, they're playing, I mean, they're playing really hard for them. Um, they're playing with great effort. Uh, Louisville has always had talent. You know, every year when we would do our scouting reports, um, you know, we we always had them, you know, right up there with the Florida States and the Clemsons in terms of their talent level. Um, And Scott and his staff know what they're doing. Um, He's got a lot of guys on his staff that were with him at App either last year or previously. And I think that gives them a big advantage that you're not taking a year or two to get the staff on the same page. I mean, those guys are – are playing the same beat, they're singing the same tune, and the players have obviously bought in. And they have great, great skill on offense. Um, their skill, uh, their their two running backs, their top three receivers, those kids could play anywhere in the ACC and anywhere in the country, and he's utilizing them in a very, very smart way. Dave Clawson is joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Clawson. He's in his sixth year as the head coach of the Deacons. He has taken them to three straight bowl victories over these last three years. That is the first time that has happened in the history of Wake Forest football. You and other Wake coaches have often described as fundamental to your recruiting pitch. You know, we're asking you to make a decision that'll be a 40-year decision, not a four-year decision. Does anything change, Coach? Do recruits see, you know, the best or one of the best starts in Wake Forest football history and you're in the national rankings and you're among the ranks of the unbeaten? Or do you just simply not really stray or, or connect with different types of recruits because you're, you're still the same recruiting pitch? Well, it, it certainly helps us hang on to the kids that have committed to us. Yeah. If there's any temptation to look around, I think – our start and, and what we've done gives a little bit more validity to what we've done here. Um, but we still are going to recruit the same type of kid with the same value system. Yeah. You know, I, it doesn't matter what our record is. Uh, to be successful at Wake Forest, we have to recruit kids that fit the school and fit the institution and the culture and the accountability and the academics and uh, the character part of it. And um we could get the number one ranked recruit in the country who's a five-star kid, uh, but if he's not going to go to class and doesn't want to graduate and, and fit the culture of Wake Forest University, you know, he's not going to fit here, and, and quite frankly, he probably won't enjoy his experience here. So it's really important that you know maybe we get a little bit of a better player, but it's very important that we don't make any compromises in terms of the character or the academics of the kid we're recruiting. In the preseason, you talked about what you liked on offense, and it feels like most of that has come to fruition. You also talked about you know being poor last year on third downs defensively, and one of the guys you circled, great nickname, Boogie Basham, as sort of a key to progress. I, I don't know where your defense is compared, compared to your expectations. Um, statistically, it's not quite as good as your offense, but tell us about Boogie's evolution and are in a really arrival on the scene as an ACC caliber player and, and what you're seeing elsewhere on that side of the ball. I mean, we're just, uh, I think we're playing with more confidence. We're playing faster. Uh, we were a, a really 
decent first and second down defense last year, but we were awful in situations, whether it be red zone, third down, goal line. And we really spent a lot of time looking at what we were doing in those situations and to try to come up with a, a philosophy and a package and to get good at what we did. And, and so far it's worked. I mean, we're right now a good third down defense. I, I think we have more red zone stops this year already than we had the entire year last year. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're now getting into the meat of the ACC schedule and, and we're about to play really good football teams. So uh, Boogie's a big part of what we've done. Um, Boogie is, I think, one of the best defensive linemen in the conference. He can play the run. He's physical. He's a good pass rusher. He plays extremely hard. He pursues the football um, and is really starting to come into his own as, as a really good ACC football player. Did you ever have a cool nickname and have any of your players ever had a cooler nickname than Boogie? Boogie's pretty cool, yeah. and uh, you know, a lot of times, and we always deviate into music and pop culture. Every now and then, I'll surprise him with a Boogie playlist. You know, oh, it'll cool. be uh, Boogie Nights, wow. Boogie Wonderland, I'm Your Boogie Man. Wow. Um, so there's like six or seven songs, mostly of the 70s era, that have Boogie in it. And if there's ever a day that I get out there and I sense he's not in a good mood, I just go with the boogie playlist and <laughs> things get fired up. That is really cool. Dave Clausen is joining us on the David Glenn Show. All right, you've had a phrase I know you've used with us and probably elsewhere. Uh, you don't save all your best. Oh, only all, all my good phrases <laughs> I save for your show. I think you've said, I'm paraphrasing, but one of your goals as a head coach is to get to the month of November to some, with something to play for. Now, I'd imagine at the FCS level, you know, is make sure we're in the playoffs, right? Uh, in some years at Wake Forest, it's been make sure we're a bowl team. Do you recalibrate? Because it feels like, man, you can get to November with some enormous things to play for, even bigger than usual this time. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to November with something to play for already, but right. uh, exactly what we're playing for, we have the ability to change that, you know, with this week, with next week. Um, so you go into a year every year with goals, and there's the first goal, the second goal, the third goal, and, you know, you go down the list, and, uh, you know, we'd love to be in a position to accomplish all of those goals, um, but we have to continue to do what we're doing, which is, you know, not turn the ball over and not beat ourselves with penalties and prevent big plays and, and now do that against really good football teams, you know, like Louisville coming in this week. And, uh, you know, all these games in the ACC, for the most part, uh, the, the talent differential isn't that great from team to team. You know, maybe Clemson is the, the one exception to that. Um, and so for all these games, it's it's not always the team. The better team doesn't always win. Right. It's the team that plays better. And, and it's important for all these games that we're well prepared and that we play well. Well, as we look forward to bringing the big tailgate tour to your matchup against Florida State next Saturday, and then you get the open week so you can prepare for that November slate, I will share that just as you are 5-0, and oh, our host schools on the big tailgate tour have not yet lost a game so far this season. So we're kind of undefeated, although, frankly, you're undefeated is much more impressive. Well, it's, it's, it's all good stuff. So we're, we're both undefeated, and, and hopefully we'll stay that way. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. Good luck against Louisville. Appreciate the visit, as always, on the David Glenn Show. Okay, thank you very much. You got Cardinals at Deacons this Saturday night, ACC Network, 730. It will be the Seminoles at the Deacons next Saturday. That's also a night game, Darren. We love 
when tailgate tour stops driven by Continental Tire turn out to be night games. Have we had a dud yet this year? Like some of those times when we start our pregame at 9 a.m., I mean, I still love meeting people and listeners and giving out prizes and I've thrown so many footballs. I'm not sure I've told you this, Darren. I've so I've thrown so many footballs accurately through tires this year on the Big Tailgate Tour. My agent says that all the folks who run the Viagra and Cialis commercials have been knocking on our door. <laughs> like, it's perfect, I right? can attest to the accuracy and the volume of throws. Like, somewhere in the commercial, I'm going to have to do something really manly. Right before the lovely and talented Maria walks by in the backdrop to the commercial. Well, who's throwing the ball through tires better than I? Seriously, on planet Earth right now, who is more fine-tuned in that exact skill than I? Right? (laughs) Who does it every Saturday for hours at a time? It's an incredible point. I have to be one of the few, if any, right? I'm also (laughs) trending toward an age bracket. I got enough gray hair to fit right into the Viagra commercial, right? I don't know. Maybe they'll be interested in the lovely and talented Maria as the always enticing woman that walks behind just as the ball makes its way through the tire. There's always all the imagery is just incredible, isn't it? Oh, the message they send. Uh, Anyway, we do have a last call for phone calls on the other side. We do have Major League Baseball playoff action front and center. We always give you our TV picks as we come down the stretch. And we are in the middle of being in the spotlight. College football for sure. Sunday morning from London, it will be Panthers-Buccaneers. But NC Central, the Eagles are struggling a bit this year, but they host Bethune-Cookman tonight. ESPN U game at 6 o'clock. The Wolfpack has a lot to play for. Hosting Syracuse, 8 o'clock ESPN. Carter Finley's going to be jumping. Bailey Hockman gets the start in for Matthew McKay. Devin Leary, the redshirt freshman, also is expected to get some quarterback snaps. Wolfpack wins. They're 4-2 and two and feeling good. They lose to Syracuse. They're only 3-3, three and three, and all three of their bigger challenges would have fallen by the wayside. That's going to be a different conversation tomorrow, depending on what happens tonight. So good luck to those two host teams, Giants at Patriots, if you prefer the NFL version of the gridiron. I have final thoughts on what to look for tonight. You have a chance to chime in with a question or comment. The NBA versus China international incident continues to unfold. The Carolina Hurricanes are the hottest team in hockey. The Major League Baseball playoffs have already seen the mighty Dodgers fall by the wayside and the mega popular Braves also eliminated last night. We'll see if Houston, probably the favorite to win it all, can avoid elimination tonight as they host the Tampa Bay Rays. NFL, college football, little baseball, little hockey, and a little international incident, all available for your questions, comments, or complaints. Appreciate Dave Clawson, David Cutcliffe, and Scott Satterfield for dropping by. You can be next on the David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. 
love a little Bob Marley, Darren. Did you just drop that in there to send everybody off into the sports sunset, not yeah. worrying, oh, the Astros are facing elimination. Oh, don't worry. They're back at home against the Tampa Bay Rays after struggling against Tampa pitching on the road. Are you trying to calm down Astros fans? Are you trying to be international peacekeeper? Do we need Chinese leaders and NBA and American leaders to get together and just listen to some Bob Marley, maybe with some additional accompaniment? I don't know. Would that bring those two international superpowers together? Is that what you're trying to do with that bump music? I don't know if it will be successful, but uh, I mean, right, we might as well try. Might as well try. I don't want either the Central players or the Wolfpack players listening to Bob Marley before tonight's game. <laughs> I do want that peacekeeping mission, NBA versus China. I do think it can help those over-anxious fans of the Houston Astros, unlike the Dodgers, who had a bullpen pitching problem waiting to unfold, unlike even other contenders. Your Braves, one through eight, were maybe among the best teams in Major League Baseball, you knew your lack of pitching depth was going to come get you. I don't think the Astros have a truly weak link. They're back at home. They're really confident there. Garrett Cole is back on the hill, right? And he took out the Rays in one of the first yeah, two he's games. he's been phenomenal. This is one of those best of five where it was Astros won both at homes, home, and then the Rays won both at home, and now it's back in Houston, right? So I'm, I, I seriously, you know what could, what is basically the only element that could cause this to go away is if the home team, the best team, the great regular season juggernaut that was the Houston Astros, only if they are not channeling their inner Bob Marley. And if they start worrying about too many things, I think they're in big trouble. Sometimes the better team caves in on itself because they feel the pressure of the moment. So Central hosting Bethune-Cookman on national TV at 6 o'clock. Wolfpack hosting Syracuse on ESPN at 8 o'clock. Do worry about a thing. Like, go against Bob Marley's <laughs> advice. Worry about a lot. The coaches have been drilling you on the importance of those details all week long. Do not channel that part of your inner Bob Marley. Worry about that stuff. Get it right. It's important. It's a relatively even matchup. Syracuse has offensive problems of its own. We'll see how Bailey Hockman's evolution, uh, ev elevation to starting quarterback, Devin Leary in support, the redshirt freshman, may get some snaps as well. Wolfpack is 3-2. and two. It's a firm foundation. They are a disappointing 0-2 against West Virginia and Florida State. They're bigger opponents, if you will. They can change the narrative a lot in front of what I think will be a great Thursday night crowd at Carter-Finley Stadium. Good luck to the pack tonight. Do not channel your inner Bob Marley. I need, like, some ACDC or some Green Day or something to fire the boys up. No Bob Marley before a big home football game. UNC and Duke's women play each other in a women's soccer clash tonight. ACC Network, 7 o'clock. You get Rays Astros at 7, elimination game, FS1, 7 o'clock. It's your only baseball matchup tonight. Syracuse against the Pack, 8 on ESPN. New York Giants at the New England Patriots. They've given us some fascinating Super Bowls, haven't they? The Patriots are the heavy favorites against Duke's Daniel Jones and the Giants. That is an 8-ish start on Fox and the NFL Network. WNBA as well. Enjoy the game. See you tomorrow.
Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.